Welcome. Hi, I'm Mickey, and this is Wikipedia, where I sit down and chat to doctors, professors, athletes, practitioners, and experts in their fields related to health, nutrition, fitness, and well-being. And I'm delighted that you're here. everyone, it's Mickey here. You're listening to Wikipedia, and this week I talk again to Lola Berry, who is the host of Fearlessly Failing podcast, one of Aussie's best podcasts. Um, she's a leading nutritionist and a best-selling author about her new book of the same name, Fearlessly Failing. As one of the key creators of the early wellness scene in Australia, Lola knows a thing or two about how to overcome body and mental health issues with a complete life reset. She also knows the pain of fear and failure, having experienced the inevitable ups and downs of life in her professional life and her intimate relationships. And her new book, Fearlessly Failing, talks about these challenges that she's had and how she's learned to grow through them and embrace the lessons that the so-called failure has taught her and she shares a lot of her best tips for that. I was super stoked to have Lola back on and just to remind you for all for people who haven't yet listened to the previous podcast and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Lola is born and raised in Melbourne. She's the best-selling author of 11 books, including The Happy Cookbook, and she's a bachelor in the health science and nutritional medicine. And her mission through her books, her content creating, podcasting, and specialty coffee company, which makes Lola coffee with lion's mane and also has this most beautiful hot chocolate powder. She's wanting to help as many people as possible live a healthy, happy and fulfilled life. Lola's big on chasing dreams. That's where her popular podcast, Fearlessly Failing, was born from. And within that podcast, she interviews people about how failure can be a gift and is often the key to success. So Lola's currently studying acting and TV presenting and dividing her time between Byron Bay and Los Angeles. And you can We'll put links in the show notes to the podcast, the books, and um, Lola's social media pages, which is the best place to touch base and see what's going on in her life. And so you can find out more if you're not already familiar with Lola's work. Uh, you can find out more about her through those avenues. Before we crack on into the uh, interview though, I would just like to remind you the best way for you to support Wikipedia is to hit the subscribe button on your favourite podcast platform. That way it increases the awareness of this content to people who might not be familiar with it and of course share it with your mates. Outside of that as well, you can also pop over to my website, mickeywillardin.com, and sign up to my recipe access portal, where for $12 a month, you get access to over 800 recipes, um, and that grows frequently because it's updated. We have a private Facebook group. We have a written weekly forum. I give you an email once a week and you also have access to pick my brain on anything nutrition related through our online messaging platform. For now though, I hope you enjoyed this interview that I did with Lola Berry. Yes, I'm so in it. Like, okay, today I feel a bit excited, I feel a bit apprehensive, da 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 
that's kind of cool though. Okay, well, I'm feeling these things. It doesn't need to define, like, you know what I mean? Like I, I, like even for me, I'm like, why am I worrying about this acting course tomorrow until tomorrow? I shouldn't really be worrying about it until tomorrow. Totally. And do you know what? Like that is so the... I read your book and we're going to talk about it, obviously, but that's like you listed a whole bunch in that toolkit of all of the different tools that you can use to help strengthen your resiliency and your presence of mind and feeling really grounded and and all of that. And it's almost like that's what that stuff that you mentioned in your little toolkit allows you to do and allows you to be. You can be present. You can have the thoughts but not be defined by them, as you just said. Yeah, yeah. I've never associated the two, like the presence and the toolkit section together, but I love that. It makes sense. I just think we spend so, I know personally, I spend so much time worrying. And even I'm about to go back to America. And I said to my therapist this week, I am determined not to stress in the lead up. Yes. Because you waste, I mean, I live in paradise. Like I'm in Byron Bay and I'm not going to be back here for at least six months. Like I better be soaking it up. Like I better be enjoying it, you know, not freaking out about what if in America this and this doesn't go right. It always works out. Like I'm a pretty strong, resilient person, you know. A hundred percent. And I totally agree with that. I was having this thought last week because I was doing this this uh, multi-day hike, which I just did last minute, then to do the 60K. Then in four weeks, I've got to run bloody 100 kilometers. Like that is another ridiculous thing. But I sort of thought, Mickey, it's two days out of your entire summer break. You should not be just focused on the anxiety around running these big events. Think about all of the other things in between because that's actually, that's the, the, what a waste of time otherwise. And how lucky are you that you're like such a healthy human that you get to do these things? Do you know, Lola, like you're an active girl. You love your nature, as you've said yeah, in the book, yeah. like biophilia. Like I absolutely love that section in the book and how we are just so one. Um, and we're part of it. We're part of this natural world, but yet we're so removed from it in our little concrete jungles that you sort of forget that you are part of nature. Totally. You know? how lucky are we that we are able to be healthy enough to be able to experience it? And I actually feel really sad for people who who have the ability to do it but haven't yet recognised the importance of it or don't realise the value or haven't had that opportunity to appreciate and understand that. Totally. But I, I think it comes when you need it, like it comes at certain times as well. Like I think, but I totally agree. I think like my therapist says anytime you get too stuck in your head, he's like all you need to do is get out into nature. And like yeah. we've really prioritised it, like just go for a swim in the afternoon, the beach, like nature is just so important to us now like it's up there with food nutrition 100 percent um lola we've begun recording some of this will probably yeah. make it to the start that's all right though because you know i imagine that that's these are my favorite bits this is my favorite when i interview people via zoom or online like this yeah i i do the same thing as you i hit record the start and then when i say goodbye i keep it recording and you get some rippers, my friend. Like, and I keep it all in. I'm like, oh, don't worry, we'll cut it out. And I'm like, sneaky Lola. I just keep the whole thing in. 
<laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Do you know, I did that once. Um, no, I do that all the time, but I forgot to check with one person who then texted me afterwards and said, oh, you left in that whole section about this and, and our actual interview starts at minute 14. And I and I totally apologise because I do just assume that people sort of think, you know, I agree, it's the conversations that you have with your guests yeah. that where the real stuff is. I got rid of it, which was, but, but I did get a number of comments on the podcast afterwards saying how much they enjoyed that part because obviously people had downloaded and listened to it yeah. first. So I, I agree. Yeah. That's what people love to listen to as well. Well, it's just real, you know. So Lola, obviously we're going to be talking about your book today, which I absolutely loved and we will get on to that. But first I want to know a little bit about how you've enjoyed being back in Byron, which is like a little paradise. And also I want to hear a bit about LA. Obviously anyone that follows you, which will be most people, given your followership, um, would have seen your sort of, you know, your daily updates and stuff. But I really want to get, just get it from you as to how's it been for the last few months? Well, first of all, I need to say thank you to you, Mickey, because you got me onto the no cow bars in LA. Is it called no cow? Yeah, love them. Is that what they're called? Yeah. Yeah, they're these really clean protein bars because in America, I have these bars in Australia. None of the, I'm not sponsored by anyone, but they're called Smart Bars and they're really mm. clean, they're really good, and they're sweetened with stevia, so, you know, no sugar. And then I couldn't get them in America. And so I started just being like, oh, let's just try all the best protein <laughs> bars. And you got me onto the no cow ones and they were delicious and really clean and, and plant based. And yeah, so thank you for that, number one. LA is pretty much the polar opposite of Byron Bay. So they are like absolute opposite ends of the spectrum. I go to LA because I'm training in acting and I really want to work in acting and TV presenting and the opportunity in Australia just isn't here for me. Um, Mm. There are so many other female presenters and actors that would be so far ahead of the mean line, like, had meeting with, meetings with acting agents, you just get rejected and knocked back time after time and time after time again. And it's like, shit, like I'm fighting really hard to have representation here. But even if I get a representation, the pool of Australian shows is just so small that mm. I, you, you might be lucky if you make it on Home and Away, you know what I mean? Like you <laughs> might be lucky to do that. Yeah. And whereas in America, you know, you go from having five TV channels to 500. Yeah. And and so the opportunity that so I go to America for opportunity uh and I love it, don't get me wrong, like it's such a cool place to call home. But it's gnarly, like it's um it's tough, it's rough, it's risky, it's dangerous. It's I felt unsafe quite a few times. And at the same time, it is so wonderful and so yeah. optimistic and there is so much opportunity and magical things happen. Like literally you're, you know, you're just something will, you'll meet someone and then the next minute you, you're working with them on something. Like opportunities just really manifest so fast that you're in this like this mecca of cr- creatives, which I love. And so I said to my therapist, oh, it's really hard. LA is hard. It is. And he goes, yeah, if you want to fly the highest the risk you've got to live in the riskiest area and I was like oh that's cool that really changed my perspective and I'm probably going to go back I go back really soon I go back in like six weeks I'm going to go back a lot 
wiser this time and a lot more assertive. I was really naive and um, like I'm going to buy mace, mace spray so that I can hike on my own and stuff because yeah. you can get kidnapped. Oh, like, do you know, Lola, when I found out that you were going to LA, I just thought it was such a brave thing to do, which is absolutely actually in line with your ethos of life, really. You know, you're like what you talk about, about opportunities being available, you actually have to be the type of person that is in a position to recognize it. You know, like you'll put two people in the same situation. One person will see it as an opportunity. The other person may see it as a challenge or, you know, the exact opposite. So I feel like what you've talked about through your book is sort of manifesting in the way that you approach your life, really, which is exactly as you've described. But I thought about it like you left your little paradise in the middle of a pandemic. You left the love of your life. You left your little support network that is in Byron, but also your dad and your mum and Melbs and, and stuff like that. And you just go off to the other side of the world in the middle of like big, scary LA. Yeah, but you know, it's cool. Like Matt, I mean, my partner was amazing like we facetimed every single day like I'm pretty sure I annoyed him the amount of times I'd facetime him (laughs) um and my mum like my mum checked in with me so often and she'd be like I'm so proud of you she did the most amazing thing I've mentioned this once or twice before but she called me when I was in the middle of LA and kind of in in the thick of kind of finding my feet and she was like I want you to know all that I want you to do is chase your dreams. Yeah. She's like, I don't have any expectations for grandkids. I don't have any expectation for you to need to be anything other than whatever you want to be. And it was so, it was what I needed to hear at that time in my life because LA is so hard. And I want to be honest, like I felt it as a challenge. Like I was like, whoa. And you're in, I was in school the whole time. I was training yeah. in acting. And you'd be in class and I also audited and that means you, so I did an intermediate class but I'd audit what's called the the master class which is working actors. And I remember being in a class and the teacher said, oh, congratulations, Alex, you've just booked this great movie, blah, 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 and everyone's applauding this actor. Mm -hmm. I'm driving down on Sunset on my way home that night and he's on a massive billboard in a big movie coming out. And so you're just like, Oh my God, but it feels, and it feels like you're so close to it, but also so far away. Cause I'm like, well, before I get to Alex's stage, I need to get a manager, get an agent, be auditioning. Like there are a lot of things that have got to line up for you to be in that posse that he's in. So I found it so challenging as well, but I, I, I quickly fell in love with the challenge. Yeah. And you sort of have to do that, right? Like if you're going to live your dream if, and, and chase your dreams, you actually, you have to fall in love with the challenge because it sort of feels like, and this isn't just in relation to you and acting, it's everyone, is that anything that's worth doing takes work. And a whole section of your book is like, do the work, you know, like it's yeah. not just going to fall in your lap. And, and typically most things which are the most rewarding and satisfying are the things which you have to work so hard to do. And you certainly leave no stone unturned in your book about how, what a um, sort of a hard life it is, that the path that you've chosen. And not that you, you've you painted it like this is the hardest thing in the world, but I think people think that acting and being a presenter and then doing what you do on social media is just, you know, it's super easy and super chill and lax, but there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah, so my favourite, I love that saying, do the work. I learned it at drama school. 
I always thought I was a hard worker until I went to full-time drama school and I remember (laughs) them saying treat this like the Olympics, like you're an Olympic athlete and you need to work so hard every single day. And, like, for me right now, like, I'm not in in classes at the moment, although I'm doing an intensive workshop tomorrow. I'm currently learning four different monologues, one scene and another monologue in a different dialect. So I'm doing four in American dialect, one in Aussie, and then a, 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 what's called a two-hander, so just a scene with another person in American dialect, and I'm just doing all that to start yeah. shooting and building a show reel. But, I mean, I'm not in class, and so that that's what they mean by doing the work, and that's probably a really shitty example. But my point is I love that. I love to work. I love to work hard. I love to be constantly learning. Like this morning when I was telling you I was a bit late to this podcast I came running from the farmer's market I was listening to an interview with Hugo Weaving like I just immerse and love learning and Hugo Weaving is like one of the best actors in the world anyway um and we've got the Kiwi uh the New Zealand little link there with Lord of the Rings um but I just thought I do I know I do to the work but my most the trait that I cannot stand yeah and this is my downfall is laziness yeah I can't stand it within myself and I get it like if if my period's due, I don't want to move. I feel like crap, you know, yeah. like, or um, if I like it took me a few days after Christmas to start having good energy again because I'd eaten so much sugar over Christmas and whatnot. And so for me, like, that's probably my biggest thing is like, I don't, I don't like that trait, the lazy trait, which is really common in actors, which is why I know I'll make it because I'm not lazy. And so yeah. I've just got to be consistent. I don't ever be the best in the room, but I'll be consistent at working hard. So eventually you're going to get your moment. But, um, yeah, like, I guess my point is like, yeah, I love working hard, but yeah. the trait that I really work against is laziness because I can fall into that, especially living in Byron. Oh, my God, like oh, you yeah. could get up, do your yogs, go for a swim, go to the farm. You can live this holiday retreat lifestyle. And it wasn't until I said to boss, Matt, I was like, I need a desk in this house. Mm. I can't keep working on the couch and the kitchen table. I was like, I need a space where I can click into work and then I just put my noise cancelling headphones on and I just work yeah. no matter what. Yeah, yeah, totally. And what you say about that whole laziness trait, it, I've, I've heard people say before and I 100% agree is that if there is something that you feel is part of you that you don't like, you almost you can sense it in other people and that's yeah. a good way to sort of, you know, like if I, you know, if I didn't like – I don't know. I never used to like my nose, to be honest. Um, and then I would, because my sister once told me I had a super big nose and it's always stayed with me. Um, you know, big sisters can be a bit mean. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. and so it's something which I see, you know, it, I used to see all the time in other people like, oh, yeah, well, they've sort of got a big nose too, you know, like, um, but yeah. it is, it's that. And I feel the same about the, um, the whole laziness thing. Like you notice it in other people when it's something you actively try to, um, uh, sort of stamp out in yourself. Um, oh yeah, but it's kind of cool. Like I guess have, the nose thing is a little bit different. To I, I get what you're saying. There, I've got so many body insecurities, and used to have so many more before I had a therapist that I would always because I had an eating disorder. I'd always be like, who's especially in yoga? I'd be like, who? Where am I in leanness in the room? Like I'd rate myself against. I'd be like, oh, I'm probably the fourth leanest. Like really bad, mm. super unhealthy. Mm. But when it's like a psychological trait, the thing is like because I, I'm aware of laziness and I've worked so hard to kind of like keep it out of my 
personality and my trait like I won't stand for it so like mm. I fired scene partners in LA because they were too lazy they'd cancel oh, wow. a few rehearsals yeah and I'd just call my teacher and be like they're lazy they're not working hard enough um yeah. they're letting me down and yeah. I usually do the whole I'm too old for this shit and I just you know I just <laughs> like I don't I, I'm here I'm here to succeed I'm not here to fuck around sorry I've just sworn but um right. I'm not here to have fun and even I was talking to a mate this morning when I go to America, they're like, oh, you're going to Coachella and I'll be there at that time. And I'm like, nah, I'm there to work and train. I'm yeah. there to work and train. I'm not there um, to party. I'm not, and I haven't done that in LA. I'm there to like work so hard. And then yeah. like the reprieve is you come back to Byron and you heal and you recharge and, you know, yeah. you get the energy again, go back. And like I always say to my boyfriend, I'm like, oh, that we'll just take the Hemsworths lifestyle, you know, half LA, half Byron Bay. Yeah, love it, love it. And actually, you know, like if I thought, think about your um, Instagram feed and your podcast and stuff, you basically – you hit the ground running when you hit LA. You had acting school. You were doing the edits on your book. You were obviously doing the podcast and you were getting podcast interviews so you could do them live in LA, which must have been pretty awesome. Um, was life as you thought it would be when you got there for that sort of six months that you were there? Was that how you would, would have seen it? Uh, it was really stressful because uh, Australian uh, the Australian government had a travel cap where only yeah. 15 Australians could land each day so it was really stressful because it just can't, all my flights got cancelled and every time you book a flight it's like ten thousand dollars and you don't get that refund back like it was really stressful I just got my refund now for a flight last August wow yeah so like literally two days ago it came into my account and I was just like hot so you just feel like you're just blowing through cash yeah um so it was very stressful in that sense so I don't think it'll be as stressful this time because I'm not I've got a quite a, a clear plan I'm a bit, a little bit more flexible with dates like if if something happened I'd just wait it out you know um yeah. whereas because I had a book coming out I didn't have the flexibility timeline wise uh it, it, yes it felt how I guess I didn't, I went in with no expectations. I knew I wanted to train. I'd already had my teacher lined up. Um, so that felt really good. I didn't realize. So I live in a really cool area that I just love. I think you'd love it, Mickey. Like it's like really artsy. It's at the bottom of Griffith Park. So you can hike yes. everywhere, really healthy cafes, great, co- or great coffee places. And so I was in this really artsy area, but most Australians, and I think New Zealanders as well, but most Aussies reside in Santa Monica or Venice, mm. and that's one hour away from where I was. And so yeah. I, I thought I'd be hanging with all these Aussies, and I didn't, I, which I loved because I was like, no, I'm not here to go to party after party and barbecue after barbecue. I am here to work and train. But, yeah, I, I was surprised that I didn't see my Aussie mates in Santa. It's like imagine being in Sydney or Melbourne. Like it just felt so far away those guys that lived and all the Aussies love Santa Monica and Venice because you're on the beach. You, yeah. you get that kind of like Australiana fix, whereas I was up in more the hills. So I was yeah. in a very, like I saw coyotes walking down my street and stuff because I was so close to the hills. Yeah. But, yeah, that and I liked that. I liked that I wasn't, I was kind of like a very, very lone wolf. Yeah. And are you heading back to that same area? Same home, same area. Oh, just, brilliant. Just locked it in yesterday. Yeah, I'm so excited. 
I love that area. I definitely, um, it's amazing. So many celebs live there. I'm like, oh my God, that's Kirsten Bell's house. That's Jack Black's <laughs> house. Like, yeah, like Brian Gosling lives around the corner. I haven't seen oh, him yet. Love it. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's such a great, fun, artistic area. And it's, yeah, I can't wait. I'm really, really excited. Wow, that sounds awesome, Lola. And, you know, I just want to say a huge congratulations for your fabulous book. Like it is what part memoir, part self-help book. It's a big, it's a big rah-rah sort of cheerleader book for the person reading it, which was just super awesome as well. Um, you know, it's an honest account of life, love, career, successes, and of course, failures, which we, you wouldn't call a failure, of course, because every failure is a learning, but the book itself is fearlessly failing. Yeah. What was the impetus for you to write this book, Lola? Like it was, you know, it was quite different from obviously your earlier books, but your books have, mm. you know, transitioned over the years. So what was the sort of um, your thinking behind it? I had no idea about this until Matt reminded me um, when we started the podcast. So we're 180 eps in now. So we have over two I think we're over two years in yeah um Matt's we were talking and we were like oh my god this would be a great concept for a book Mm -hmm. and I totally forgot that we even said that like I think we said it when we were writing like ideas out for the podcast and then a publisher contacted me I wouldn't have been that far into the pod and they were like this is a this is a great book concept and I was like nah I don't want to write another book. I want to go to America with a clean slate. And I was really honest. I was like, I've got a green card. I'm going to America. Mm-hmm. No, not interested. And she was like, no, no, I think. And then when it became more memoir kind of style, that was really fun to write. And so, yeah, it came from the podcast, if I'm completely honest. I didn't expect, you know, I didn't expect to be writing another book. But you say that next minute you're writing a book. Like, so <laughs> Yeah, weird. that's just life. And when the sort of concept came up and you were like, yep, cool, I'm going to write a book, did you write the book that you thought you would write? Yeah, I'm not a natural writer. I'm not smart, Mickey. I'm not. I'm street smart. I'm not academically smart. So to be honest and to be like really, really upfront with you, um, I delivered I think about 80,000 words. The book's sitting at 60 now, which is reasonably mm. not crazy long for a um, – you would have felt that's pretty easy read. Um, and when I got first edits back, I was like, oh, my God, this doesn't sound like me anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't feel right. This feels um, mm. super feminine. I'm a masculine writer, I, I believe. I believe I'm a bit of a no frills, like mm. I'll give it to you straight. I'll always be your cheerleader, but I'm also going to give you tough love when you need it. Like that's yeah. my whole shtick. I don't like you've got this beautiful, hey, angels, <laughs> hey, hey, beautiful, like. Yeah, uh, it's just not me. It just mm. it, it it does, and and it came back that tone, like the real like whimsical and feminine, and it was beautiful. It just wasn't me, and it was mm. super self helpy. No memoir. It was just self help, mm. and I was like shivers. And I sent it to a, sent it to a really good friend that I knew would give it to me straight, and she said, "You can't bring this book out. It's not you." Yeah, and she's like, "In fact, she's like, I don't think it'll work for your career because it's so clear that it's been rewritten." Yeah. And I was like, shivers. And then what I did is I negotiated to bring on my own editor. And so I brought on my own editor, Simon, that has done like seven of my previous 10 books. So he Mm -hmm. knows my tone. He's also British. So a British wit suits a self-deprecating Aussie writer. Yeah, totes. So I would say that 
Yeah, Simon changed the entire and I and he goes, he was unreal. And I would say the magic for this book because like I said, I'm not a natural writer. He he just was able to like condense and 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 connect in ways I couldn't. And he has really cool vernacular himself. So when yeah. he went because they edit and have to change and add words and make sure you're not just recycling your own words. Cause like obviously I've got a lot of bogan Australian sayings. But he, he used to say this one thing and he wrote it in the book and I was like, I'm stealing that. Um, and he'd write, if I wanted to get a point across, he'd write, oh, and here's the kicker, which I've never said before, but I was like, oh, here's the kicker. I'm taking that for my language. Are you so, serious? Yeah, He's he, not he saying that. I, I read that and I'm like, such a Lola thing. Right? So he gets me and that's yeah. what I love about him. Like you're yeah. not meant to tell that it's been edited. Like you're meant to believe that. He, yeah, so it's I big thank you to Simon. The editor was a game changer and, like, I invested my own money into bringing on the editor that I wanted to. Awesome. I was just like, yeah, this book needs to be super just really honest and no BS and not I didn't want it to be flower, flowery and I yeah. didn't want it to be gender specific. I was really, I'm really passionate about everyone being welcome to read this book and I'd interviewed some really frigging cool humans on the podcast that, you know, were non-binary or trans and I thought, nah, this book has to be for everybody and it yeah. can't just sit in this real only feminine tone. It needs to be honest. Yeah. Well, Simon did an amazing job because I felt as I was reading it that it was you speaking to me off the pages. So you're absolutely right. Like, I mean, it's obviously not Simon, as you as well, but together you guys made a great team at sort of bringing your message to life. Like I really loved that. Um, Lola, though, was it super hard to write because you are just so brutally honest about people that have come into your life and how they treated you, how you treated them and your sort of reflections moving forward? Like. Did a lot of it bring up like a lot of these sort of emotions or have you sort of worked through all that with your therapist so it was just writing? Yeah, I was all processed. It was fully, it was very, it was a very safe process for me. I didn't feel um, out of my comfort zone. I loved, I didn't expect to write about my first love, which Mm. I talk about in the heartbreak section. And I loved celebrating that because you don't ever get to thank your first love. You never yeah. see them again, right? Yeah. And I re- and because it was such a beautiful first experience, and I explained in the book that there's ten years between that epic first love and and Matt, my yeah. hopefully my epic last and soulmatey love. And so in between that, you have to kiss a lot of frogs. Yeah. Um, but but I loved celebrating that first love because it was like a thank you. I know I have no idea if that human will ever even see it. But it was really nice to like thank that, thank that yeah. love because it set the tone for finding that that equal great love again later in life. And yeah, so I I, I was so surprised that I spoke about that, but I loved that I did that. The rest was fully pro- fully processed. Yeah, completely. Yeah, and actually thinking of what you wrote about your first life, he seemed to just, much as Matt appears to do, like for as much as we see on social media or whatnot, be really supportive of you chasing your dreams. Like the way you talked about how you were like on a road trip and you had a camera and you were, you know, you'd stop and you'd practice your TV presenting and stuff. I just was like, yeah. that is so great. That's what you want your love, the love of your life to do, just to be there supporting you being who you want to be. A hundred percent. It was the cool. It was the coolest 
ever first love. It was like such a such a gift. And I remember when I used to talk about it to other guys I dated after him and they used to think that I was still in love with that first love and I wasn't. Mm. I just had no animosity and I had such gratitude for having that kind of realness in my life so early. Yeah. And and it was so good because when we broke up, he was like, remember this love, remember yeah. this because this needs to be your bar. Yeah. And it was so, and, and, and again, like, like you said with Matt, with the support, and I remember the first time I met Matt, I sat next to him and I was like, oh, my God, I can be myself. And I hadn't felt that for so long. Mm. And so they're very different humans and one was specifically a first love and one is like an adult love, I would yeah. say. Um, and yeah, it was just so good that I really enjoyed. That was probably the easiest chapter to write, the heartbreak one. Well, it was quite funny listening to you talk to your mum and um, part of the conversation <laughs> with her was that, um, was it your brother rang you up and said, if we tried to do this, like, guess who yeah. all the other little frogs were in between that you talk about because you're very open yeah. and honest about those other experiences. As I was reading it, I was thinking, I wonder if these guys are ever going to open the book and read about themselves. But, uh, um, but you know what I loved about it, Lola, is that I feel like it's really hard to sit and talk about these things, you know, these experiences that you have gone through because it's, you know, you never really want to talk about the times where you feel shit or where people treated you like shit or things like that. But I mean, that's, you're almost in your book, you almost have to understand that what you've gone through in order to why you then recommend that people explore these things to help them get over those experiences, you know, and grow and learn from them because going through it is one thing, but learning and growing from it is is sort of that next step. Yeah, and, like, I think I wrote about, one, like, one of the crappiest heartbreaks was the, was what took me into therapy because I couldn't get over it. And so yeah. and now I've been in therapy nearly, I'd be coming up five years as a result of dating a frog. So it was great. <laughs> but then I, the other thing about, all those frog stories. It's interesting because my dad did not enjoy the frog stories. He was mm. like, these people, yeah. you know, he's like, what if they know it's written about them? Like it's too personal. And I'm like, dad, we're living in a, in a world where it's safe to be personal. You can be vulnerable. It's powerful to be vulnerable. Whereas he comes from that old school of thought, which is like, you know, people judge you, like yeah. you can get hurt. And I'm like, I said, the only people that are going to know are you, mum, Tristan, my bro, yeah. you know, like it's and, – and the other thing is like just to give you a bit of BTS to book stuff, lawyers have to read the book before it goes to print for that mm. reason. Mm. So I did have to change stories in full honesty. I had to change um, specifics, stories and um, make – and there was like some big chunks that got completely pulled that I really fought to stay in the book. I was like, I really need to write about this and they were like, it's too personal and you can get sued. So they were just like, no. Nah. And so, yeah, lawyers went through it to protect me and the publishing house, of course. Mm, yeah. And, you know, your because it wasn't just your romantic sort of relationships and, and what you learned from that, but, you know, friendships and things like that and knowing when to break up with a friend. Like I think um, seeing that written down and, and just reading your experiences there, you can't help but reflect on your own experiences. And even that writing goal, and, yeah. and reading, you know, it's so helpful to sort of see, ah, oh, okay, so I'm not the only person that these things happen to. Or I remember how I felt when that happened to me. Like I, yeah, I really really enjoyed reading that. I mean, it was hard to read, but I also really enjoyed reading mm. that stuff. 
But that's I'm so happy you said that because that's the goal. I'm not there to air these stories, even though sometimes there's like a comedic element to them. Or uh, and you'll not notice in some there was one friendship story that made it in there where I was at fault. I was the yeah. one that effed up the friendship, and who I'm now back and friends and feeling great having that friend back in my life. But um, that's the goal. The goal is you look at that and go, hang on, I think I'm in a little bit of a situation where I might be getting gaslit or I might be in a situation where there's a narcissist in my life or hang on a sec. I like, And the point of the game, the aim of this game is that someone reads that and it's empowering enough for them to kind of like make a change. Yeah. It's not about airing dirty laundry, which was why uh, I worked so closely with Simon on that too. I said, I don't want this to be a verbal diarrhea of all my mm. terrible dating stories. Because I said to publishers many years ago, please let me write a dating book. I've got the funniest <laughs> stories ever. And like, I was like, I'm telling you, I can write the funniest dating book ever of like just the trials and tribulations of being in your 20s and dating. And um, so I had so much fun with that book. But when I sent that chapter to Simon, I said, it is verbal diarrhea right now. Please do. I, I trust you cull it and he just really made it succinct and he was so wonderful at like I said I I would hate to harm anyone and he was Mm. amazing like so we were so able to like honor the truth of the story also take I was really passionate about taking ownership for when I effed up which was in every situation I stuffed up and so I didn't want it to be like he said she said I wanted to be like hey this thing happened but really I did a few a, th- a few things here to make this situation unfold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you and I definitely saw that in the book as well because it wasn't it wasn't all like finger pointing and these people made me feel this. It's like you know this happened yeah. and I did this and I was an asshole. You know, so I just loved like totally. what what you were able to do, Lola. Which I don't think you give yourself enough credit for because you said I'm not very smart, I'm not very academic, but you put down the the human experience on a page. You know, you just talked through this whole sort of kind of growth period for you of the last like 15 years or whatever to reach where you are now and I just think that does take skill you know and yes you've got an amazing editor but you're the one that sort of has these stories and we're able to yeah put it down I first. think like I'm, I'm very honest like I think my Matt says my superpower is having no fear he thinks I'm very very fearless and I was like mm. oh thank you Happily, <laughs> I've skydived I've swam with whale sharks um but I and I do think I'm fearless, but I think I'm courageous. Like I don't yeah. think I, I'm happy to put myself on the line at my own cost. Like I don't mind if um, I look like an idiot. That's always been my shtick though, like, and that's why I think I'm so interested in, you know, TV presenting and acting because you get to put yourself on the line all the time. Like yeah. you're talking about your, your run tomorrow, your 60-kilometre run tomorrow, and, and I'm like, at acting school, like it feels like you're doing that. Like imagine you at the start line, like at, at, when you go up at class in LA, you're in a theatre, you've got an audience watching you, you've got the teacher sitting front and centre, you feel completely naked and vulnerable and you know you're going to fail. Like yeah. you're 100% going to fail. Also, I was the only Aussie in class that had to have an American dialect the entire time. Yeah. And so you just know you're going you're gonna to get told, fix your R's, fix your O's, fix that word's not working, like, and that's just dialect. Forget the acting for a second. And so I like that feeling of just being super like, and here we go, we're going to fall fat, flat on our face. But I think there's a, a, there's a freedom in that. Yeah. You know? Cause what, and what's that freedom? Is it that you can fail and it's okay because then you'll just do it again? Like what's the? I think it's the freedom that comes with honesty. And so like 
Um, even in acting school, the teacher would be like, Lola, I did a really hardcore scene. It was like sexually based too, which they're my most uncomfortable ones because I'm mm. usually 10 years older than everyone in my class. And so I'm like, oh, here we go, here we go, here we go. <laughs> and I had to really uh, sexually charged scene with this gorgeous 22-year-old actor. I'm 36. Yeah. And he looked like a lad and he was so pretty. And I said, I called Matt and I was like, fuck, I don't know how to do this. Like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. And I went, I played the scene and I went, it was a scene from a really great TV show called Succession. And I mm. went and I played for power. I was like, stuff it, I'm going to dominate him. That's going to be how I go. It's safe for me. I can play a power woman, no problem. Yeah. But because it was sexually charged, I lost the scene completely. And the teacher said in front of all the students, I'm not joking to you, Mickey, Lola, not sexual enough, need you to fill it in your clip. In front of <laughs> the entire class. In front of the entire class, people <laughs> laughing. I'm oh. sitting there being like in pajamas too because it's a nighttime like yeah. scene. I'm like sitting there going, oh, my God, I need the earth to just like chew me up right now. I need to like leave. <laughs> but you're just constantly failing. And then I really had to work on it, like yeah. really hard work on it. And my scene partner was unreal. Like we, ha- we actually had a lot little mateship at the end of it because we had to be so – vulnerable with each other and Mm. um hold a safe space for each other but so confronting I don't even know but yeah I guess the question was the freedom that comes with stuffing up is like well I've tried it this way it hasn't worked I'm here to learn so why don't I it's like it's kind of like what your friend that you went um you trekked around with last week that's just like dive into the tornado like you just got to dive in and then yeah if you know you're going to stuff up, then you get to grow and learn and that's where the magic is, not only as an actor but I think as a human being. Yeah. No, I love that, Lola. And, you know, a large part of your book, well, a large part, maybe a third of your book, regardless, is about that, um, the tools, you know. So, okay, you're here in the here and now, this is what's happened to you or or how do you now take what you've done and, and sort of grow and develop? Here are some tools. And I've got to say, you list quite a number of them you really have tried almost everything crystal healing like crystal healing in there mate everything I love it and actually what I love about it is is again it's that it's that open you know you're really open to trying different things yes you do like one of the most conventional types of self-help around therapy but that's in addition to recording your dreams you know crystal healing meditation. Yeah. So like acupuncture, Lola, I swear by acupuncture. I yes, love it. Yes. And you we talked about tarot card reading um last time, something that your nana sort of taught you to do. Like how did you come across all of these? Is it just because you're open to um learning more about it? Uh I, when I was studying nutritional medicine, this was a three year Bachelor of Health degree and then I was also taking on electives in naturopathy Mm. so I took on elective subjects in like iridology numerology and it was kind of like I was lucky because that when I was studying there was like a hippie twang to the course even though it was a bachelor of science degree um and so I just have always been inquisitive and wanted to learn and yeah I just deep dive and be like okay I'm gonna do a crystal workshop this weekend I'm gonna do my Reiki master this weekend like I just and I'm, but I'm still like that now. It just so happens that now my attention is turning to acting and that's why I'm always studying. But um, I heard a really good quote in a 
Hugh Jackman interview and he stole this from Sir Patrick Stewart and Sir Patrick Stewart said one day, I think to Hugh they were shooting something together, um, he said, I get up half an hour every morning and I read because I've figured out that I'm not going to be able to read everything I want to read in my lifetime. Yeah. And so I'm a bit like that. Like I try to read two books a month. I really read every single day, but also I want to learn. Like there are so mm. many cool things I want to learn. Like I, I, I'm down for like I'd try ayahuasca one day. I'm just not down with the purging. But um, mm. apparently when you get it, it makes you vomit and diarrhea. I've heard that too. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, the hallucinations and the self-discovery <laughs> sounds amazing, but getting there, I don't know. Oh. But, um, yeah, so I'm just I'm a bit of an open I'm always open to experience. I think that's just my nature and I do love to learn. Yeah. And do you know what I loved as well, Lola, is that when I mention, you know, dream recording and crystal healing and people might go, oh, it's in clairvoyant, you know, well, that sounds so airy fairy. But what you wrote in your book was that it allows you a different perspective. And I think that's what many of us need to actually have is that, you know, you've only got your experience. You've only got those of people who you sort of surround yourself with and the way that they think about things. That's really how you inform, you know, where you sort of move forward. So unless you open yourself up to trying these different things, you're not going to get a different perspective. And what you did, you really outlined for people, hey, you want a different perspective? Here's like, I don't know, 20 different things for you to explore. Mm to be able to look at something in a different way and maybe learn something a little different. Yeah. And like what works for me isn't going to work for you, Mickey. You know what I mm. mean? Like for you, it's movement. You, you, That's probably your therapy, like being out in nature and being around. Like I'm reading this health book that I'm just, I'm sure you're going to know this writer. I'm obsessed with at the moment um, by David Sinclair. And it's, there's a book called yes. Lifespan. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. All about um, anti-aging and the, the, the you know, the, the biology of aging and I'm just like oh I'm gonna live this I'm gonna change my diet try this like I love learning and just trying new things so like that's why I'm saying in the book like just try it try it and if it mm. works for you try it like use it like I also read a great book I love Plant Proof by Simon Hill and I was like okay mm. I'm gonna go vegetarian for a while I didn't last that long but I tried it on because I wanted to just I was inspired by his book and yeah, I just think if you're constantly educating yourself and I just think the people that I look up to most that are like in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, especially a lot of actors that are just like beasts and like yeah. giants in the industry, they're all consistently reading and learning. Yeah. And so I just think I can take that thing. Reading is cheap. Like a book doesn't cost that much mm. or borrow one off a mate. Like, And I just think you're always learning, trying new things and reading. It's just super important to me. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And you've got that as one of your, you know, one of the things that people should yeah. actually just do. It's like, it is, it's cheap and it's easy. And I've talked about this on the podcast before, but that's how I get, that's how I've changed my perspective around running and my mental, because it's not the physical, the physical, you know, you can do the physical, but it's, can you keep your head in the game for as long as you sort of need to? And I've just read some amazing books about how psychologists, but also really good runners, how they do it. And I've just taken their thoughts and like I'm out there running and I'm like, right, no, this doesn't hurt. This is, this is work. This is, you know, just what you do in this space. This is supposed to feel this way. But of course you've got to expose yourself to that kind of, um, those kind of books and those kind of thoughts. If you, you know, yeah. to be able to adopt them yourself, I suppose. I love that though. 
Oh, yeah, but I love what you just said about like this is work. Like if I get too emotionally attached to something, which is my like pitfall, um, my therapist says have a, have a business head on, like put your business mm, head on. Yeah. So if I'm like, oh, I really want to do that thing or I, I really like or I'm really um, worried about this and this and oh, I don't know about that, I'm like, fuck Lola, get your head out of it and just well, get your emotion out of it and just like be business and it, Sounds like a really sterile approach and but it's a really great way like and the way you were talking about running like this is business like I've got a really good friend that's super fit and she's like I pretend that when I run in the morning it's part of my job. Brilliant. And I like that. Yeah. Yeah like and for me like I'm into health. I don't feel like going to Pilates or yogs every morning but I'm like well this is just part of your job and it's going to mean that you're better connected to yourself you're going to communicate better because you've moved your body you know like yeah, I, I I like the concept of like putting your business head on when the when the mind kind of like sways or emotion yeah. creeps in. Yeah, that's awesome. And also, what you said to me at the beginning of our podcast is think about how you feel when you've done it and the highs and the you know of the of the run that I'm about yeah. to do tomorrow. But yeah, that, and you know people. People are often like, if I'm just using running as an example, or anything that feels hard, because what do you know, Lola, I do a lot of work with people in and around nutrition, clearly, but a lot of, like a third of it might be about the food and two thirds of it is sort of that mind, that mindset, you know, because you cannot like, um, you can't um, separate the two. And for most people, stress management is a really big part of them then being able to adopt an eating style that they know is going to make them feel better. But of course, the two are interrelated. So in those times, we talk about stress management techniques. And I don't know about the work that you've done with your clients, because I know that I don't know if you've seen clients now, but I know that you have in the past, like actually getting them to adopt stress management techniques and some of the things that you talk about in your book is so much more difficult than telling them you've got to eat 120 grams of protein a day. Nikki, I think you're a way nicer person than me. I can't practice anymore. I get too frustrated. I'm so (laughs) bad. Like, honestly, I fired clients. I was like... I've taught you the same lesson for two years now. I can't, I cannot keep doing this. It's, it's making me crazy. Like I was like, I, um, I actually had to let clients go because I could, and I've stopped practicing for now, especially while I'm so heavily yeah. focused on train acting training. But like, I'm not, because again, the lazy thing is my, I don't, it vexes me. Like I don't like it. Yeah. And you've got to, as a nutritionist or a health professional, you've got to hold space for people because they're going to stuff up. They're human. They're the same as us. We stuff up. But I think if I stuff up, my mental dialogue is quite tough on myself and I quickly st- get back up the next day, mm. whereas I would just be holding people. And in the end, I'd end up sending them to counsellors because I'm like, this is all mental health now. And yeah. it used to annoy the shit through me because I'd be setting the same diet plan every week and they wouldn't <laughs> implement it or they'd cheat. And I was like, this is all. And I'd say, you need to go to a counsellor. Mm. I'm not helping you right now. And they would just hold on to this need to have me as like holding their hand. And I was like, this is not what I'm signing up for. So I haven't practiced for about uh, four months now. I just took, I, when I ended, I was like, you need a break, Lola. Cause I was getting, I said to Matt, I was like, I'm getting mean. Like I'm not enjoying mm-hmm. practicing. And so, yeah, I took, I've taken a big break. Who knows? I'm sure I'll go back to it. Cause I, I do love health. Like I yeah. love healing and I love health and I love, the other side like I love seeing people come out the other side but it's that when people turn to you as like a um 
friend, like when it changes to like it being you're a practitioner then to them thinking that you're their friend and it being this like weird codependency thing, I was like, I'm out, I'm yeah. out. So, yeah, I'm not good at it. I'm not patient. You're much better than me. Oh, no, I, I don't know about that. But at least, you know, it's that recognising like – a lot of the things you've got in your book are all going to be tools that regardless of where someone is on their health journey, if they haven't yet discovered some of these things, then there's a real opportunity to actually practice them, try them and find something that they like and find something that's going to stick. And like, it's, it's all health. So if you work on your stress, then actually the diet stuff becomes so much easier because suddenly you're not in the situation when you're always grabbing the sugar because you've got your mindfulness practice in place or you do cold water therapy every morning and you find you just feel more invigorated and you don't need the caffeine, you don't need the sugar to sort of get your day going and, and things like that. Um, I just, I don't know, I just loved all of the things that you put down for people to try. But then I also liked that, right, you've got the tools, now what? You know, it's not just here are a thousand mm. different things you can do what's your first step? So you've got a great chapter at the end where you're like, right, oh, now it's time to step up and let's put into place some strategies. Here's a few starting points for you. I, I love it, Lola. It's great. Ah, oh, no, you're a legend. Thanks for reading it and you've given it such a huge plug. Uh, you're you're amazing. I didn't expect you to do that at all. So I'm I'm really wrapped that you have enjoyed it. And thank you for your support because like, and to anybody that's that's listened to this episode or um got the book like it's it is a huge support when someone actually goes out and buys a book and because there is so much available online now like it's a it's an industry that change it has changed mm. a lot even since I bought out my first book probably like 12 years ago or 15 years ago and I just think yeah it's, it's I just want to say thank you to anyone that's bought it because it you you're really supporting some someone's passion Mm, no, it's yeah, it's you're more than welcome. It's awesome stuff. Now, Lola, what I do want to um just quickly touch on is and just ask a couple of questions. So you and Matt over yeah. Christmas had like a three-day sort of um you're like, right, this is our three-day uh Yes. What am I gonna call it? I'm not gonna say hiatus from eating clinks that's not what it is but you know it's just a we do what we want no guilt or whatever how did that go is that how that rolled out for you you loosen the reins you loosen the reins <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean you just yeah, like yeah. it was it was a tricky time because COVID was ripping through Byron Bay as well mm. and so I, I had intended on Pilates for me and yoga for me kind of like I get up in the morning I'll go to Pilates or you know um and that quick like I think I taught right up until like the 22nd and I practiced up until the 22nd because I was in the space. And then I kind of pulled back because so I was like, I don't want to get COVID while dad's here right before mm. Christmas, not have Christmas and not have New Year. So it was hard because like I'd intended to keep my Pilates and yoga, like I'd had it all booked in to speak, keep over Christmas and New Year. But it was so much fun. It's so fun to have a food cheat. I know, like, psychologically, you're probably not meant to call it cheating, but we did. Yeah, um, yeah. My favourite mess up food-wise is, like, I love Christmas pudding and my mum makes the best brandy cream. Oh, yeah. And it's just yeah. full of cream and sugar and brandy. And Matt and I didn't make it once but twice over Christmas. <laughs> and I will say we didn't pull the handbrake up as quickly as we thought. So I, my thing was Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day. Mm -hmm. But that carried all the way through to New Year's Eve. Yeah, yeah, cool. And so I just, from Jan 1, I was just like, okay, no sugar now. And now if I need something sweet, I'll just go for the berries or the fruit, you know, like I've just 
pulled all the sugar out. I'm back to intermittent fasting and just doing all the stuff that makes me feel really good. That's awesome. And uh, so I, you've got six weeks till you head back to LA. What are you most looking forward yep. to other than obviously getting back with your acting crew and, and getting immersing yourself in that lifestyle? Uh, Food-wise, what are you most looking forward to? I'm so glad you asked that because in my head I was like, okay, there's this great salad place. There's this amazing place that I live in an area called Los Feliz. Mm-hmm. I think it means happy or smile or something really cool in Spanish. Yeah. Um, I'm going to look it up and tell you because it's like a beautiful, it's got a beautiful feeling about that area. But there's this cafe there called All Time. They do mm. phenomenal coffee, but they do, and great brekkie burritos and stuff. Um, but they do these massive, amazing salads, like fresh as anything, big mm. chunk of salmon on top or big like eggs on top and like everything I got there was just delicious. And we had a, I was also, apart from acting school, I was in a writer's group and we'd meet there every Saturday and um, have to write a pitch for a show every week. I had also held ourselves very accountable. Like I, again, when you went through the work, I haven't worked on any of that writing since I've been back, but in America I was writing a show a week. Wow. Um, and yeah, in, insane. And um, but they did the best salads all the time in Los Feliz. I would highly recommend for amazing salads. Amazing. Okay. And then there's this other place called Air One, but yes. Americans call it Air One. <laughs> um, and they do this amazing. I'm definitely getting this when I go back. It's like this prepackaged salad, but it's a Mexican salad, and that instead of having like Mince meat, it's it's like what made from walnuts. Mm, oh, yum. That's my favorite. So I'll be going back to get that. But I have to control when I go to Air One because it's so expensive. So you want a, a good hack if you're ever in LA is shop at Trader Joe's, not yeah, yeah. Air One or Whole Foods. But Air One is delicious. I love Whole Foods and I love, um, I've been to Trader Joe's a few times, but I didn't really know about them, I think, until the last trip that I took to to the US. But um, I've heard you talk, and other people talk about this vegetarian taco salad, which looks, from Air One, which, you're right, looks absolutely amazing. Oh, it's so good. And then I have to control myself not to buy a slice of vegan pumpkin pie too. <laughs> Oh, I love it. You keep it so real, Lola. I think that's what we love about you. Now, um, 2022, obviously, we're two weeks in. Um, Do you have any New Year's intentions? Like what's this year hold for you? Yeah, so my goal will be when I get to LA is like head down, bum up, work. So I'll try to get a manager for both TV presenting and then a manager for acting. And then in America, you have a manager and an agent you've got to go out and get, whereas in Australia it's all combined into one, so your agent is your manager. Mm-hmm. So they're very different. They can be from different companies and it's a whole different world. So I've got to work on that. I've got to work on getting in the union. So in America there's like the SAG, very full on, it's, it's called the SAG, um, and basically when you're in the union, when you get on a big Hollywood set, it just means you're covered by an actor's union and you're yeah. protected and you've got to be paid the right amount of money and stuff. But you can't get that until you've got acting credits. And i got zero acting credits right now, so I've got to cut my teeth. Like I've got yeah. to go and get the credits, do the auditions, get the work, and then build a showreel, which is what I'm working on here right now, and then um, do that over there. And hopefully I'd like to think by next year's pilot season I'm doing some big auditions, but awesome. I imagine this year will be 
bit parts and smaller things and ads and campaigns, but I'm not going over as a nutritionist. I'm going over as an actor. So yeah. clean slate, clean That's, slate, mate, brand new, scary. Mate, <laughs> that is awesome. Like, and you know, you've done, it's funny when I, when I was reading your book and just sort of reflecting on it, it just seems like you've lived such a full life and you're only 36. So I don't doubt Lola. And it just, I think what that goes to show me is that you, you pretty much practice what you've preached. You do the work, you put in the mahi, which is work here in New Zealand, and you um, and good things come when you do. So I don't doubt that this year is going to be just laying the foundation for awesome years ahead. Put in the mahi. Oh, that's my new slogan for the year. I love <laughs> that. No, thank you. Well, it's nice that you say I'm only 36 because I do get a little bit um, – self-conscious about being 36 when you know people in the acting class or the median age is like 20 or 22 and so you know it's a bit confronting but I'm I feel like all that life experience is probably going to make me a better actor at least that's what I'm telling myself yeah no look I 100% agree and if it makes you feel any better not that she's uh doing much right now but uh Graham on Graham Norton the other week Joan Collins was on she's bloody 88 Can you even believe it? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Jackie Weaver, who's a phenomenal Australian actress that um, made her big Hollywood debut at 63 on the Australian movie Animal Kingdom, which then became a massive American TV show based off the Australian movie and she's like in Yellowstone now and and she's 72 or something now, just like fully. I mean, Betty White, who... As we know, uh, I'm pretty sure Betty White just passed away a few weeks ago. Yeah. But 99 and acted to 97, I think. Yeah, yeah you've got a lifetime ahead of you, girl. <laughs> oh, it, that's the beauty, beauty of acting, your, your career um, as an art. You're an artist, so you just, like, go with it. But yep. that's why I love, I love Hugo Weaving so much because I just love his body of work and all his – it makes me want to do heaps of theatre, but – I think theatre for me would be Australia and TV and film is America. Love it. I love it. Look, you've got goals and uh, that's, I think that's awesome because I think that's the stuff that keeps you going and, you know, you've got, if you set yourself the bar really high, then I don't know, you just, you're so much more likely to achieve than trying to set little uh, goals that aren't really goals just so you achieve them. Yeah, what's the saying? Shoot for the moon, you're going to land in the stars. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> and you've nailed yeah, it. It's exactly. It's Lola, that, it's that. thanks so much for your time today. Now, I know that everyone will know where they can find you, but let's just um, – and how do people buy your book? Awesome. Okay, so if anyone's living in New Zealand, then Booktopia is probably the easiest way. Um, they're really good at shipping and they ship pretty fast. Uh, I'm on Insta is kind of my main thing, so Yummo Lola Berry. But Mickey, I want to take this opportunity to thank you for getting me on again, and mm. I love our chats. You're one of the most researched podcast interviewers. I get to be a guest on your show, and <laughs> as someone that's got my own podcast, I value someone that researches hard because uh, it makes the world a difference for the guest as well. And I think that's a testament to you so I just want to say thank you so much to not only you but your listeners for listening to today's episode as well awesome Lola you have a great day you too my friend big love all right team that's a sweet interview I hope you really enjoyed it and I really 
really recommend her book. It, it was such a good read and she's such a cool Aussie chick and I don't know, Kiwis and Aussies, we're like best mates anyway. So it is like your having a chat with a best mate when you're listening to it if you use the audiobook or when you read it so I, I can't recommend it enough now next week we pivot back into uh, science if you like obviously something which I'm super geeky about and I was able to get an interview with Darren Kando who is one of the probably the world experts if you like in creatine and if you follow me on social media or follow my blogs you'll see that I've been really interested in creatine for the last year and my knowledge base of it has increased so much on the back of a lot of the research that Darren's research lab has been bringing out over the years so I was able to score a conversation with him and we do a deep dive into the benefits of creatine next week. Until then though, you can catch me over on Facebook at Mickey Willardin Nutrition, on Twitter and Instagram at Mickey Willardin, or as I mentioned before, jump onto my website mickeywillardin.com where alongside that recipe portal access, you can sign up to one of my meal plans, you can sign up for the waitlist for Monday's Matter which is going to be launched again in late April, early May. We are in week seven now, I believe, of the eight-week program for Monday's Matter Summer Edition. So I'm just putting the bits together to launch the um, Autumn Edition or book a consultation with me. And all of those details are over on mickeywillardin.com. However, you have a good rest of your week and uh, catch you next week. See you later.